last camp's uh, morning devotion was the first part. The chief end of men is to glorify God. And we want to understand what it means now to enjoy him forever. Now, Psalm 73, memorize these verses. Let us read verses 24 to 26. Psalm 20, 73, verses 24 to 26. Now, wherever you are, read the word of God aloud together. Reading, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. May God bless the reading of his word. Now, when the Westminster divines pen this Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number one, what is the chief end of men? Now, this is probably one of the grandest statement in all of Christian writings. We've taken the time last year to learn what it is to glorify him. And it is very clear. It is very clear from scriptures that to glorify God is man's chief end. We have, well, if you remember, if I ask you, how do we know that it is so? How do we know that it is so? Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. You can't run away from this, right? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So the most basic things in life that we do is doing for the glory of God. So everything in life's chief end, our ultimate aim and goal and key purpose is to glorify God. So when they say, what is the chief end of men? Now, where does this to enjoy him forever come from? Shouldn't it be just to glorify God and that is our chief end? Now, why does he add this absolute purpose of men is to enjoy him? How do we know that that is so from scriptures? Now, one of the key understanding is from, now turn to Psalm, Psalm um, 27, all right? So put a, put a bookmark on Psalm 73. It, it will be our main meditation. Psalm 27, Psalm 27. Now, let us read verse 4 together. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So in scriptures, there is another um, statement from the man who wrote this psalm. There is one thing. Are there many things we desire of God? There can be many, many. But there is one chief thing that God says man should desire. One chief thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord. This is, Lord, the one thing that I desire of you. Desiring from him, desiring about him, 
And what it is, what is it that I may dwell in the house of the Lord? So is it so that I will always be able to go to church, always able to go to the temple? No. What is the purpose? Why does he say, now all the days of my life, my entire life, there's one thing that I will keep seeking, not just some parts of my life, but all the days, this chief thing is to behold the beauty of the Lord. What is that about? When we studied, what is it to glorify God? One of the things is to, to know His glory, to perceive His glory, to understand and see more of who He is, the details, the beauty of the Lord. So here the psalmist says there is one thing in my life that must be my chief end and all the days of my life is to know and see your glory. And of course then that he may then tell others of his glory to behold his beauty and to inquire in his temple. What does that mean? To know more and more of God. It is in the temple that they will learn, they will hear from the scriptures who God is what he has done, his command, his ways with men. So he says, the only way I can know your glory is to know you. And that is my chief end. And but notice he says this, one thing that I desired, that is about his inward delight, is something that he wants very much, that he finds joy and pleasure in. You desire something because it's pleasurable to you. It is, it is wonderful to you. You, you. you delight in it. So he says, that's the chief delight and desire of my life, Lord. And not only that, it, it, it is such a delight. He will seek after it. He will pursue it. So how do we come to this understanding? Is it just made up by the Westminster's um, writers. Chief end of man is to glorify God. Well, biblical, but to enjoy him forever is in scriptures. So that is where we find this understanding. Now, they are very precise. They are very precise. They say, what is the chief end of men? But notice, it is to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. Now, normally in English, we would say, well, there, are, there is an end. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. So shouldn't it be the chief ends of men are? No, it is the chief end, singular, is singular. They are very precise. These are not two separate things. You cannot divorce these two things. This is an important understanding and concept that I want all of us to pay attention to because tomorrow, God willing, we are going to study some what is what it is not, all right? What man's chief end is not. There are many errors that is that is so prolific in Christendom today. And we need to understand the Westminster Divine is not writing about what they say. The Westminster Divine is writing about one chief end is, although they put end, because these two are tightly bound together. As we see, as we have seen in Psalm 27, 
my I want to behold the beauty of the Lord to glorify him and I want and my desire is to know him that is my delight now so this morning we want to study we want to understand what does it mean to enjoy God forever and I hope you have enough time to consider also why it is important to enjoy God forever all right now what is enjoy what is enjoy now that we know and you must be convinced in your heart the delight of the chief delight of man the one desire the chief desire of man all the days of our life is to see his glory is to enjoy and know and relish in him when we behold his glory remember when we behold his glory what is enjoy so we have to also understand this word enjoy can mean several mean several things when used in english now enjoy can mean well you know like you enjoy like for me you know i enjoy um roast pork right does everybody enjoy it no the other day i was talking to a young kid and she said i said what do you like to eat and she says i love lollipops and I said okay then um what kind of lollipops and she said i love the sour kind of lollipops well, i thought well most people like lollipops because they like the sweet ones i didn't know there were sour ones. She says, i only like the sour ones well that is her enjoyment that is what she delight in specifically so what sometimes when we say enjoy it is specific to us all right it is um, unique to us well maybe to others as well but not everybody enjoys it so the point is one this first kind of enjoyment is about i like it it delights me it pleases me so it is about me all right now the other word the other way that we would normally use that we would use enjoy um, is also now that is not the personal enjoyment as in pleasing yourself now then there is the general general enjoyment general enjoyment meaning to say well like for example something um is generally good it is known to be wonderful beautiful and people therefore would enjoy it now for example um you know i don't like vegetable actually not true um, since i've come here i've learned to like vegetables right Ge vegetables generally are good right and people should enjoy vegetable a healthy lifestyle exercise generally is good and therefore people enjoy exercise or whatever other generally good things so you get the idea so enjoy can also mean um, well people would enjoy these things naturally that is the second way to understand enjoyment so it's not personal 
Now, this is the key thing. The first one is pleases me. This second way we use it is more like um, that thing, that thing is good. And therefore, I find pleasure in it. So it's not so much your personal pleasing of yourself, that is why you enjoy, but it's something that is so wonderful. It amazes you. It, you admire it. You find it so pleasing. You find it so, so amazing. All right? Ah, that is the second way people would use the word enjoy. Now, so, but in scriptures, and when the Westminster divines write about the chief end of man is to enjoy him forever. Now, what would they be referring to? What do you think it is? Well, from Psalm 27 verse 4, I think it is good. All right, you memorize another set as well. So Psalm 73, 24 to 26, as well as memorize Psalm 27 verse 4 over this camp and in our lives. From the context of Psalm 27 verse 4, you will see it is the beauty of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord that, um, that draws him to the temple, that makes him want to know more of it. And that's why he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after, to behold, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to know him more and more through the temple. So when we say delight, what do you think it is? Is it just purely the second kind? Now you would also know that God says, delight yourself in me. When we put this all together, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever would then be the chief end of man to glorify God. And now I see his beauty and his glory and it is something that I admire um, and delight in so much that it draws me to him. It draws me to one more of him. It is a combination of the both kinds of enjoyment that makes it complete. So, if we want to put it together, what does it mean? What does it mean to, to, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever? Now, in a crux, in a crux, it would mean the Christian main aim in life and main purpose in life is to glorify God and His greatest delight in life is to glorify him. That is what the Westminster divine intends for this meaning from scriptures. That glorifying God is his greatest delight because of who God is, because of his ways, because of his works. I cannot but want pursue after exalting and magnifying him. That is the meaning of this um, great injunction, the chief end of men. So there is only one chief end. The chief end is bound together. God, I, might, I want to magnify you. I want to glorify you because you are truly the one to be magnified and glorified and none else. That is why it is one. The Christian's great delight must be that. 
The glory of God is what consumes him. The glory of God is what, what, um, what gives him the desire in life. So I hope that this becomes clear because it's important for us as we study all this. Now, to turn back to Psalm 73, to turn back to Psalm 73, the Westminster Divines base this um, second part and to enjoy him forever on Psalm 73 verses 24 to 26. So this will be our meditation. Now let's see a bit more over here. Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 73, now verse 23, uh, sorry, verse 24, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Now he's talking about what is happening now and afterwards in eternity. That is why they say to enjoy God forever. Not only where do we get the other forever from, verse 26, and my portion forever. All right. So, what is this about? Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Going to the temple or knowing his word, he will begin to, or God's word, and God will counsel him. In other words, will guide his thinking, will lead him in his ways. You will guide me with your counsel. You will let me know in my mind who you are. You will let me see more of what your works are. In your counsel, in your word, to me, I will understand more of your ways, your commandments, how you work, what you want me to do. So when he says, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. What is he saying? Lord, I need to see and I want to see and I will see more of who you are, more of your works, more of your ways. That is the beauty of you. That is the glory. The glory of your works, your ways and who you are. Those are the things, Lord, I want to see. So when you say, I want to enjoy God, I want to enjoy God forever. That is what you're, you're seeking after. That is, like we say, the second kind, right? This, this thing I know is wonderful. God, who you are, what you have done, and what you continue to do, and your ways, they are so beautiful. They are so glorious. They are so amazing. They are be so infinite, beyond anything that we know. God, all the days of my life on earth, use it. Use your word to guide me, to show me more of this. And I seek after it. I delight in it. To enjoy God forever is to enjoy him in these areas. Remember that. Now, the next thing. 
So I'm just giving you an overview, all right? We'll go into details as we go along. Then he says, um, my flesh, and verse 26, uh, verse 25, whom have I in heaven but thee, and there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Now he's talking about heaven and earth. And then he's, that means it is now and forever. So again in verse 25, whom have I in heaven? He's talking about whom? He's not talking about um, what? He's talking about a person, specifically God himself, the who. And he said, well, you know, in, in the whole universe, heaven, in the entire three heavens that are mentioned in the Bible, there is only one that matters. So that is enjoying God. He is the only one that delights you, that you relish in. Now the next one, just the overview first, please remember. Verse, 20, uh, verse 26, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and, the, and my portion forever. You see, while on earth, while on earth, our flesh, our flesh does not delight us. We may think, yes, the, the things of the lust, the lust of the flesh, well, that is what delights us. You see, when we, we understand, then we say, no. The lust of our flesh, the things of our flesh, it fails me. The delights of my heart, they will fail me. Man's delight in the finite things will fail him. It will end up in emptiness. Then he says, next, my portion forever. We'll study in more details all this. My portion forever means that is my inheritance, what I want to have forever and ever. All right? So what does it mean to enjoy God? It's encapsulated in these few verses. That because you see who God is, because you, you see his works and his ways, his works with men, he works out his works with his creation. And then you know who he is, his ways and his work, his ways, how he works, how he functions, how he thinks. Then you say, this is all I want. This is all I want. And because this is all I want, you, God, and that is what I enjoy, you, God, because you are the perfect, wonderful, glorious one, I will pursue, I will pursue you all my life. I will pursue magnifying, glorifying, talking about you, letting people know about you, because it just overwhelms me, right? Like I often use this example, when something or someone is so wonderful, you find that this thing keeps coming to your mind because of what it is, because how it works, because who this person is, how this person functions, and then you, you, those things, you just can't stop thinking about, you can't stop talking about, and it becomes your treasure. Isn't it true? So when the Westminster divines 
pandas, they described in a very powerful phrase to us, and they opened the confessions, the shorter catechisms, to draw our hearts and mind to this most important, that's why it's called chief, the ultimate, the key, the chief thing in life for men. Now, when we talk about enjoy, all right, when we talk about enjoy, you're talking about a few things. When we look at um, Psalm 27, uh, Psalm, 30, Psalm 73, all right, verses 24 to 26, when you say enjoy, there are a few things that are involved. Now, in fact, at this point, I will attempt to share something, all right? Or maybe we'll, we'll go through, we'll go through, right, um, it's not working at this point of time. Maybe we will go through this first. So we see, look at verse um, 24. Thou shalt guide me. So when you say, I want to enjoy God, the first thing is there must be perception. Perception. All right, the first P, there will be three Ps. The perception. How do I perceive God? First, he says, now, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. I need to know. I need to know more. So this is the perception, the intellectual knowledge, the understanding. Now, do you realize in salvation, it is the same? The first thing for salvation is, is to know God. You cannot be saved without knowing God. That's why we say you want to share the gospel. You must tell people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the God. They must know intellectually. The right knowing. So perception. Perceive what? As we've seen here. Perceive who he is, perceive his works, and perceive his ways. So the P is linked to the three W's. All right? Maybe I'll try and um, draw, all right? Hopefully it helps you remember better. Um, I'm trying to share. Okay, somehow it is not working. We tried this yesterday, it works, but the moment we go live, it doesn't work.
Maybe I'll use this instead. Now, I hope you can see this. Um, can you all see um, the whiteboard coming up? All right, um, let me check with someone. Anyone sees the whiteboard? All right, Caleb says yes. Now, so remember, we see, we saw from scriptures that there was the, there was the who, who God is. All right, and then there is um, his works on earth, in heaven, and then his ways. All right. How he deal with men. Now then here, if you say we enjoy God, first we saw you must have the intellectual perception, all right, to perceive him correctly, perception. Then we also have, look at the next one, um, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven beside thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Now there is now now here is praise. Alright? So what do you mean by I enjoy God? Well, I perceive him. I perceive him, I understand who he is, his works, his ways. And when that happens, when you say I enjoy something, I praise, I praise. There is none in heaven that can compare to you. You can take the, the, the glorious creation of the universe. You can take the sun, the stars, the infinite number of stars. You can take the most beautiful angel that God created. None in heaven, in the universe, can compare with you. On earth, the most wonderful thing on earth, even the whole world that I can gain, cannot be compared to you. All right? So when you say enjoy, you perceive and you praise. Like I said just now, when you find a product that is very wonderful, all right, you can't stop praising that thing. Right? You, you, you swear by it. We learned about glorifying God is you swear by God. Means you, 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 you really say this thing is the thing. All right? That is full of praise. You, you like something, Right? Like, like things that are general, generally good, like um, vegetables, right? <laughs> Always come back to that example. It's generally good. You will praise it. You will praise it. Doesn't mean you will like it. That is why I say it must not be just the first kind. All right? It begins with the second kind of enjoy, which leads to the first over time when you perceive more and more. That is how it works. And then, now, with that, you will pursue. You will pursue. I'm sorry, the handwriting is not very good. I'm fighting, trying to write vertical this time. The lap, my laptop is vertical. So, pursue. How do we know? Now, look at verse 25. Look at verse 25 of Psalm 73. Now, um, desire. There is none in heaven, there is none on earth that I desire beside you. Next to you, there is none that I pursue after. Right? You desire something, you will seek. That is why the psalmist says, one thing, this chief thing that I desire all my life, 
that will I seek after. The desire brings the seeking. Seek after the beauty of the Lord. Means seek after His glory to see more of that, to praise more of that. To, so you will pursue. So this is how it is linked. So when you say, I need to and I want to, right? So first begin, the first kind of enjoy, I love. The second kind of enjoy, I need, I should enjoy God. It is about perceiving, praising, and pursuing who he is, his understanding his works and his ways. So that is what it means to enjoy. Nothing um, 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 other than this. Now the thing is, very often to glorify God becomes very clear in our minds. What is this to glorify God? We know, we know. Right? There are many things that we can, we can think about. But to enjoy God, very few people um, really know what it means. Maybe that's why if you preach on it, they rather avoid it. What is it? Don't really know. But maybe the Westminster know what they're saying, but we don't know. But from scriptures, it's simple. It's very clear. That is why it was so clear to them and they just penned it without so much thought. The first thing in their mind. Now then, what should we understand next? Now, when you see this. All right. I need to open a new page, which in this, I don't know how. Actually, I realize. Um, okay, to open a new page. Maybe I'll just have to delete this from here, which doesn't work. Okay, we have a lot of technology problem for some reason. Let me try and open something again. We tested it very clearly yesterday and it was functioning. Now, um, then how do we put all this together? Now, when we look at all this, now this is the chief end. Chief end. Which then it is to glorify, glorify God and to enjoy Him. Right? Enjoy Him. And which is to delight in Him. Alright? To delight in Him. So, man's chief end is 
to glorify God and I delight in glorifying Him. Now, why is it critical that we understand this? Now, glorify God. Glorify God. Speaks of man's duty. Speaks of man's duty. Right? Enjoy Him. Speaks of man's delight. Right? I'm trying to help you to remember by the deeds. Glorifying God is man's duty. Now, duty, that means it is my responsibility. Alright? My responsibility. And delight speaks of my relationship with him. Now, I'm using pictures to try and help you understand the overall um, concept in your heart. The Word of God as a concept in your heart first before we dive into the details, all right? Otherwise, we just get lost in the details. When a Christian um, say the chief and is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, he's talking about a responsibility that is in his relationship, which he delights in as he performs his duty. I say that again. This picture of men, our ultimate, chief means our ultimate and, and consistent goal in our life and what we live for and what drives us is this. I have a duty to glorify him. That's my responsibility. And, I, and in my relationship with him, I delight in fulfilling this responsibility. So it is about a relationship. Enjoying God is a relationship-based thing, your, your, your fellowship with him. It is not something that is remote. You can say glorify God and it can be something cold and remote. But when you bring it down to a relationship, like the psalmist, one thing have I deserved the Lord, that will I seek after. Or it's something that he wants to know him and um, delight in him. All right? So when you put all this together, this is the picture. Then now we want to go into the details. All right? The details. Now, first and foremost, you must know that this delighting, this, this enjoyment of God um, is about a relationship which, which you relish in who he is, what he, what his works and his ways. Now then, next is to ask, why is it um, that the psalmist say, verse 24, um, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and after receive me to glory. You cannot enjoy God if you don't see who he is and his ways and his works. How do we know that? Now, please try and read Psalm 73 on your own, the whole chapter. Now, this chapter, in fact, I would say let's, let's read it, all right? Let's read it, otherwise it's very difficult for us to understand um, this, this, this psalmist heart of enjoying God. Now, verses 1 to um, 20. 28, let's read together. Now remember, I'll just give you overall context. This is the psalmist, all right? This is psalmist who is very sad, upset. There is no joy in his heart. 
all right, let alone enjoyment, let alone pleasure, all right? None of that was in his life. What was he upset about? What was he angry about? And then he come to realization, and then now he says, oh, he penned these words. All right, so remember that. That's the context. Let's read together, verses 1 to 28, reading. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, <clears throat> but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. <clears throat> their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression and speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walk through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither. The waters of full, the waters of a full cup are wrung up to them. And they say, how doth God know this? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the days have been plagued, all the days have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one waketh. So, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved when I was pricked, and I was pricked in my veins. So foolish was I, and ignorant I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none on earth be that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is, my, is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou shalt destroy all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, and that I may declare all thy works. You see the picture? He talked about, in verse 4, that this, the wicked men on earth, in verse 3, they are rich. In fact, they keep increasing in their prosperity. There seems to be no plague that affects them. They are very corrupt. They have more than a heart could wish. And here I am, suffering. They have abundance. They are billionaires. And then they do wicked things. And they get away with it. And they even say, well, God, what, what, what are you, why are you talking about? There's no God. God doesn't know. Is there a God? And to the point where he says in verse 13, I cleanse my heart in vain, I wash my hands in innocency. What is the point, Lord, that I am so 
I try to be so honest, um, live in integrity, obey you. It is vain. I wash my hands in innocency. What for? I was so stupid. And then he says, when I know all this, it was too painful for me. You see, he saw who man was. Remember the three W. He saw who. He was looking at who men were. And then he saw their works, what they did. And then he saw their ways. Right? They were oppressed. They were the people that oppressed, they were violent. He saw their works. And then their ways. This is how they think, how they how they function, what they obey, what they do. This is how they live. He saw their who they were, their works, and their ways. And he was frustrated. But he says in verse 17, until I went to the sanctuary of the Lord, just like the psalmist say, one thing have I desired of the Lord, the to behold the, of his beauty and inquire in his temple. Only when he turned to listen, to hear the word of God, then he began to understand. He began to see who God is. Isn't it true? Look at verse 17. Um, then I understand the end of men, but verse 18, surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down. He saw who, he, who God is. No, God is not blind, God is not deaf. God is omnipotent and omnis he's omniscient and he's omnipotent. He can control them. He saw who God is. And then he saw his ways that he will judge. He will judge. And in a moment, he will consume them. He's omnipotent. And he will despise their image. That is the ways of God. God is not like men. So it is when he saw all this, then in verse 22, he says, in verse 21, he says, oh, my heart was grieved. But now he was grieved with a different thing. Earlier on, he was grieved with, when he saw people. There was no joy. Now he was grieved that he did not find joy in God. And he was pricked in his heart. He was convicted in his soul. And he said, I was like a beast before you. I did not know what joy is. I was like an animal. What true joy is. And then now, that is how he penned, verse 24 to 26. Then, Lord, verse 24, Lord, show me more of you. Show me more of your work. Show me more of your ways. Guide me. For how long? Until you receive me into glory. Until you bring me to heaven. Guide me. Then he says, Then he says, Whom have I in heaven? Now I don't desire to be like these people anymore. All their riches. All their joys. So to speak. All the things that they are able to do. Oh, I'm not interested in those anymore at all. So when we see all this, that is how the Westminster come out, rightly, from scriptures, very wisely, and we benefit from it, what it is to enjoy God. When you don't perceive, rightly, have knowledge, when you don't, um, when you praise the ways of men instead of the ways of God, when in your heart, you want to be like them. You want to pursue their ways. There is, in the end, no joy at all. 
but he says now my joy is one that is here and eternal. Now, now we have to then ask ourselves, all right, what does each one mean? What does guide me with your counsel? You want to enjoy God? It's just like someone who wants to enjoy vegetables, all right? Or enjoy something that is that you know is good. Maybe um, exercise, right? Something that is good. You want to enjoy it. First and foremost, you must understand it. Know it. See its usefulness. I never enjoyed vegetable for most of my life. Then I begin to say, now it is something good. I need to enjoy it. I begin to read more about it, understand more of its function and its usefulness. And so its ways, what it is. Now, but is it at the end for my, for my own health? No, because I begin to realize if I do not have good health because of my lack of enjoyment of these things, because I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't touch it then it will affect my health, then it will affect my ability to glorify God, to serve Him um, with energy and strength. When you have health problems, you can't do that. So there is a desire for that. I delight to, to, to enjoy God. So now I delight in these things. So you must know, you must perceive. You must perceive. So that is what it means, the first part. Then what about the second? All right. Look at verse 25. So when you memorize, whom have I in heaven but thee? What are you saying? What do I what am I enjoying? Whom have I in heaven but thee? Now it literally means that there is, like I said in the beginning, nothing in the universe beyond the earth. The angels, the beautiful. Um, stars, planets, solar system, um, any creation that I see when I look up into heaven, the beautiful sunsets, all this cannot be compared with you in my heart. When you say, Lord, you know, sometimes people say, ah, I'm very stressed. I feel very down. Um, I need to go for a holiday. I need to go and see more of God's creation, the beauty. I need to go for, um, I need to go to the beach and watch a beautiful sunset. Ah, that will make my heart feel joy. That is temporal at most. What the psalmist say, his, his delight in, his relish in, is beyond all this, even the creation of God. It is the creator. There is none that can compare with him in your heart. That is what it means. When you say, Lord, I enjoy you forever. It is about, yes, it is about I delight in glorifying you, but because, because, because I see you for who you are. 
It means that no one can satisfy my needs, my thirst, except you. Nothing in the universe, no one in the universe can meet this emptiness in my heart. That is why the psalmist said, I was so foolish, I was so grieved, I was pretty in my reins. These things that they are able to do, what are they? What is it that delights you, my friend? Now, when we think of this word, enjoy, enjoy, I try to look up some words that describe enjoy. Now, it means to appreciate. To appreciate. You perceive and you, there is no, nothing in this universe that you appreciate more than God. You admire. I've said that before. That is why you will glorify Him. You adore. You adore means it is something that thrills your heart. It grips your heart. It brings you joy and pleasure. Not because there is a personal um, um, inclination, but no, this thing is so wonderful to be that's so admirable that it just something that you look at it and say, wow, so beautiful. You know, like someone look at a painting, a very beautiful artwork of art, and then when they look at it, wow, so wonderful. Because of that painting, not so much of any anything that they internally um, lust after desire. No, it's just that thing itself. It thrills them. Nothing in this universe thrills me. So when you say, God, I enjoy you forever, that is what it means. The other words used to describe enjoy is um, you find delight and joy in. Delight and joy in. All right. So his attributes, his character, his being. Oh, nothing thrills me more than that. Why do I sing about Jesus? Go read the hymn. Which I would say the morning theme hymn is Jesus is the joy of living. Now we see more. Next one. Now what does it mean? All right, we're running out of time. Now what does it mean? The second one. So that's the first one. Whom I have I in heaven but thee. Now let's stay at the first one first, sorry. Now it means the psalmist now after all, all my um, um, sadness, all my frustration, all my anger, all my complaining, right? We read, he was complaining, complaining. Now at the end of it, when he perceived who God is and his ways and his works, then he say, well then, nothing, nothing can move my heart ever again. Nothing. And therefore, my heart's affection, my heart's, my heart's delight, my heart's desire, my heart's love, now is towards him. That is what it is. Now, not only that. Verse, next part. And when we memorize, and there is none on earth, none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. 
What is the psalmist saying then? What is it that now here there's so much enjoyment of God in his heart, right? So much um, relishing of God in his heart. Now he talks about earth. Now he talks about earth. Now it means that all my needs on earth, all my desires on earth cannot be satisfied by anything, not the riches that the wicked people have, not the power that they have, not the um, um, health that they have, not the freedom to do whatever, whenever they want, and having no troubles in life, none of these things, they do not meet what my heart needs at all. He began to understand. That is when I said there is joy, there is pleasure in you. Now, not only that, now on earth, God is his only, his only, or rather on earth, God is the only one that he can turn to, that he will depend on, that he will trust in, nothing else. He won't trust in the powers that these wicked people have. No, no. He says, Lord, now whom have I on earth beside you? You can give me all the powerful, wicked people on earth and all that they have and all the, all the power that they seem and authority they seem to have, but none of this on earth I desire beside you. Take the world, but give me Jesus. The same writers know their, know their desire for the Lord well. And then he says, and whom have I on earth beside you? Means, you see, he was grieved on earth. He was frustrated. He had no joy when he, when he focused on these things. But the moment he looked and perceived God, what happened? Now, God becomes his only source of happiness. His only source of um, 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 overcoming any grief, any anxiety, any fear on earth. He had all that. He had all that before God was his joy. But now, whom have I on earth beside you? Who's going to help me? I will only trust in you. What can bring me happiness? Only you. What can bring you happiness, my friends? Having been married, having a spouse, is finite. Having children, it's finite. They are finite beings. But God is infinite. That's why you say heaven, in heaven and in earth, there's none that can compare with you. None can feel the desire of my, my heart. You know, as we know, the heart's desire can be bottomless. But when you channel that bottomless desire to a bottomless or infinite being, you will find that your joy is, is bottomless as well. So he will depend on God to be his, his protector, his provider on earth. When you say, I enjoy God forever, that is what it means. When you say, there's none on earth that I desire beside you, means everything on earth is just passing. Everything on earth is just a necessity. That's all. If I don't have it, it's fine. 
If I have it well, the law is given it to me that I may use it for him. Now then, next one. Um, we'll jump to the last part, all right? Verse 26, thou art my portion. Thou art my portion forever. Thou art my portion forever. Now, please understand the word portion. Now, it means God is all I need. The, in, the inheritance, God always tell the Israelite, you know, I am your inheritance, especially the Levites, I am your inheritance. But Israel said, I am your inheritance. Why do you want the world? I am more than the world. So my portion is, is him forever means the only thing that I um, will seek after, that I will pursue, is simply you. That is all. That is the meaning of to enjoy God. There is a pursuit of God. Now, this is my portion. You pursue after portion. People fight over inheritance. Right? They pursue it. So now this is something that is your portion forever. God is your the only one you want to have with you. Whether in heaven or on earth, he's the only one that you want to have with you. You don't have someone. It does not matter. You don't have something. It does not matter. Now remember when Paul says, about when Paul talks about heaven, who may I find in heaven but you, does the psalmist say. Heaven, as I've always reminded us, heaven is not heaven without God. Paul says, absent in the body, present in glorious heaven. No, absent in the body, present with the Lord. It is the presence of God that is what he seeks. The, the, as long as God is with him, that is all he cares. They say, well, if I'm, I need to stay on earth because God is with me, I will stay as well to do his work. As long as God is my portion with me. That is what it means to enjoy God. To enjoy God is not something that is, well, you lust after something and you satisfy you. No, this is that, that kind of enjoyment. Who he is, his ways, his works, and then you perceive it, and then you praise it, and then you will pursue it. Ah, when you pray, when you perceive something, you know something, when you praise it, means you find that this is something worth it, and then you pursue it, means you delight in it. Now, isn't that enjoyment? Isn't that enjoyment? When you like something, you will go out of your way to eat it, to see it, to buy it. And when you have it, you keep talking about it. You will not stop at anything but pursue it because that is what you enjoy. That is what you enjoy. Now, this is briefly what it means to enjoy God. I gave you two questions today. What does it mean to enjoy God? All right. And then um, I also gave you um, um, the other question, which is why is it important? All right. So you can't answer that because I've not quite answered that. We'll do that tomorrow, God willing. Now let us turn to God in prayer.